0: Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to remind you that the coziest scarf is only available through the end of the month. That's basically one more week. It's the perfect little handmade hug to yourself or a friend as winter rages on here in New York. So if you want to be extra cozy, head over to impactfashionnyc.com and get yourself the coziest scarf before the end of February. Also a reminder that you can listen to all of my episodes and then discuss them with myself and other lovelies on Schmoozy. Congratulations to Hadassah Bennett, who has won $100 to impactfashionnyc.com, Simply by listening to this podcast or joining an episode discussion on Schmoozy. This past giveaway was so fun that we decided to do it again. I'll be picking the next winner on March 1st, so basically next week. All you need to do to enter is listen to this podcast or join an episode discussion on Schmoozy. Simply download Schmoozy to your phone and continue the conversation. That's S H M U Z Y. Let's schmooze together and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Ruth Yitzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a shoe designer about what it was like to grow up around beautiful leather in Italy. She shares how she started her brand, what it's like to run a business through a pandemic, and how she deals with imitations of her designs. Before I came across Sarah Shagalow's company, A Soleani, I'll admit that I had never really given any thought to how shoes were made. They were just kind of there. And honestly, that's my loss. In the time since, I've grown to appreciate the craftsmanship and dedication that goes into a high quality pair of Italian leather shoes. And Sarah as a person is just as important Hi, Sarah, how you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Oh, <laughs> my Siri just opened. <laughs> That is funny. That was fantastic. Put it on the podcast. That is staying. That's 100% staying. That was amazing. Okay, now I'm muting the sound on my laptop so that if she comes up again, we won't hear her. How are you today? I am good. I'm excited Thank to God. talk to you. That was very fun. Uh, to start off, I want to ask good. you what um, the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show and that is what were you like as a little kid? So I was
1: um, very shy always like I used to like hide everywhere or like if there was like a school um a playing school um my mom would be embarrassed because like I would not talk (laughs) and yes so once I was like actually the main character of the of the school play and I did not talk and I hid behind something and my mom was like oh my
0: god (laughs) so yeah very shy was definitely do you still consider yourself um, very shy?
1: I definitely am not anywhere near that. Um, I still have that in me. So let's say sometimes like it takes me some time to open up. And some people think like it's more like a snobbish um, kind of behavior, but it definitely comes up. I'm um, because I'm shy. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's there's it always gonna make- be yeah. There's going to be those like little vestiges of it. Um, I, a lot of people, I think, well, a lot of people do know you as a Soliani which and like, I think that people would probably even assume that that is some version of your name or anything like that. Um, which is this beautiful Italian shoe company that is, I think, what are you like two years old? Not even somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Basically.
0: Which is it's, it's crazy and beautiful to watch you work. Your stuff is so, so gorgeous. Um, and you started this, you know, using your, your family factories in Italy, right? Yeah. So what was so, it like growing up in Italy? Tell, tell me about that. So growing up
1: in Italy, um, I mean, it's very different because very different for me than for other people, just because I'm Jewish and Orthodox. So that, that already makes it different. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very small community and we grow up all like one big family. So, let's say if there's a uh, community parties and everything, the whole community comes to the parties. Um, I, we we were ten girls in class, and there was also four four boys. Sometimes we were separated. Sometimes we were in the same class. Um, actually, our class was like the biggest class. Ten girls is like a lot. Wow. Sometimes, usually, maximum four or five sometimes. <laughs> um, and. Uh, So yeah, that was actually one thing that was very hard for me when I came to America because like there is no, uh, you don't feel like you're in a small community here. You have to like make your way out and uh, it's still hard for me and I'm still looking for like a place that I can find, maybe I can find a community, I can find (laughs) friends. It's it's very hard to go out there here just because you don't have all that support that we have there that everyone knows each other so like everyone has each other's backs and it just yeah
0: right yeah it's it's very different being in New York it's a it's very easy to like get lost in the big city and and all of the people did your family always have the shoe factory
1: so my father manufactures leather for high-end brands he doesn't manufacture
0: shoes he manufactures leather for shoes so what does that mean like processing the leather to get it ready for the shoes
1: so he gets raw leather, and then he process. He makes it in collars. He makes prints on, on the on the leather according to like whatever the customer wants. Um, so yeah, he has a factory to make to basically work on the leather to make it from raw to a collar, beautiful collars, beautiful prints, beautiful everything. So that's yeah.
0: That's so cool. I didn't even realize that leather. I mean, it makes sense that leather needed to be processed, but I just never thought about it. Um, did, was that something that he always did? Like, was that like, when you were growing up, that was what he had that factory?
1: Yeah. He started from very small and he took over from my grandfather. Um, my grandfather had a small had also like a small factory and then my father just took it over and grew it all himself. So yeah. Um, now he sells to like really high end brands and, uh, I did some behind the scenes on the when I went to Italy I did some behind the scenes to show like his factory and like how they work there and it's really cool so I grew up with like leather 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 like like just my father would bring to my mom presents of like designer shoes saying oh this is my leather he would be just so proud every time you know and uh, yeah so that's I grew up with it. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So did you always know that you wanted to go into something involving leather or specifically shoes or did you you do something else?
1: Subconsciously, I think that, um, I wanted to, but like, I didn't know. I went to school. I have a BA. I, I worked in accounting for like four years until I actually started this. Um, realized that I wanted to start something for myself and um, kind of like clicked in my head when I was in Italy for vacation. We went for um, we went for Passover, so we went to Italy, and um, I went to like a boutique, and I was like, in a shoe boutique, and I was like, there isn't such like there just isn't those pretty leather-made shoes in America for affordable prices. Like whatever is affordable is not good quality or beautifully made like italians do with like the artisans work in the back you know it just it's it just there isn't so i really like i put on that those shoes in this boutique and i was like i need to do this and i really need to do this And like and then i you know with the help of my father of course he helped me um he gave me the leather for free in the beginning and uh until now i'm paying for it (laughs) i'm paying for it In the beginning, you know, it was smaller runs. So I would just take like leftovers here, leftovers there. That's why I would have very small runs. Um, So um, in the beginning, that's how it started. I just said like, I I went to a factory that actually I'm not working with them anymore because they didn't want to personalize too much and like everything. So it was um, actually another story. Factories are really hard to find one that you trust and uh, really really hard so glad that I had all these names um my father would help me like to say oh this I heard that they're good I heard that they're good but some of them Italians are very square-minded so like they won't they don't want to change things or if you will come and say like I'm I'm telling you I'll become bigger and uh, I can't do such a big order right now but I will eventually and they don't they're like they're they're comfortable where they are and they don't they don't want, they don't care to grow so much, Um, sometimes, depends who, and then I came across um, my current manufacturer, my biggest manufacturer, I have three different manufacturers, but this, he really believed in me from the beginning, he said, you can do however many you want, Um, I can do it with your own leather, your own design, and I, I believe you'll go far, so he still, and he lets me pay later, and without him, I don't think I would have done, I would have been able to like get so far just because he believes in me so much. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much.
0: I have the same situation with my factories here in New York. I switched factories three times before I found who I use now and they are, it's exactly the same thing. Like they really believe in the brand and they're willing to work with you and they're willing to give you that leeway. It makes the biggest difference.
1: Yeah. They really need to believe in you. Otherwise
0: yeah. Otherwise, otherwise your stuff is not going to get made, or it's not going to get made at a reasonable price, yeah. and it just doesn't work. Manufacturing is for sure the you know it's 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 a, such a huge part of you know designing and selling your own stuff is that you have to get it made. I want to backtrack a little bit. How old were you when you moved to New York?
1: I was, I think, twenty-two. And
0: 22. you and you already had your BA, and you came here to work. Like, what made you? No, to me, no, I wanted to live two, in I, Italy. I,
1: I was with two kids already. When I moved here. And I, I actually gave what am I saying? Okay. I moved here with my first daughter. So um my first daughter was a baby and I was pregnant with my second one. So I was twenty-one, I think.
0: Wow. So what made you decide to move to New York? Like in my head, Italy oh, is this gorgeous American. magical place. Yeah. So my I... husband
1: is American. Oh, okay. So that's basically and we knew from the beginning that we were, we would move here. Eventually, we just we were uh, between Israel, you know, like honeymoon after wedding then I gave birth in Italy where my parents were there and helping and then um, after I gave birth to my daughter, we decided to move to America, um, which we knew that it was going to happen before we got married. So I was very young. I got married at 19. So and um, yeah, at 21, we moved here. And I, then I gave birth to my son, and then I started going to school. After that,
0: what was school like with two little babies? That sounds very stressful.
1: Yeah, it was pretty stressful, I must say. Um, and but it worked out. I got a babysitter, and um, my husband supported me all the way. So he really wanted me to go. I started first to go to a school that was like just three hours a day, and then um, I went to Toro in. Uh, Bar park that they're also pretty flexible for moms.
0: Right. So, yeah. yeah. Was it difficult for you to do school in English?
1: It was in the beginning. I did go to seminary in Montreal. So it did help me. Um, and uh, I speak to my husband in English also. So that helped me also. And, um, but it was definitely hard in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Even like it's, I'm sure it's hard. Like even I know that like I took some classes in Israel in Hebrew. And I'm pretty fluent, but still, there's something about like following a class in a different language that was—it's—it was, it, it's, was, it was just very intimidating for me.
1: I was in Israel for high school, also. Oh. Okay. I was in Israel for high school because no, there's no, there was no high school back then um, for Orthodox Jews um, in uh, Italy. So I went to high school as 15 years old. I left my parents and I went with a friend to a dorm. I mean, it wasn't even a dorm. We went to a family. Um, it was actually really hard. I would say, because they used to see like everyone have their moms prepare lunches and this and that, and, like me and my friends were, me and my friend were always like, we we felt a little alone, but gladly I had a grandmother there, so we would go there for weekends. and um, yeah, it was an, it was definitely not easy.
0: What did you learn about yourself in high school? like being away from home and and being on your own in a in a foreign country?
1: I definitely became very independent um I became very independent but my mom was always my mom me and my mom are very close like she's my best friend my mom is only 20 years older than me and like she's really my best friend um I became very independent I used to be very dependent from my parents in the beginning and then this definitely helped me in that way um and
0: uh yeah that's pretty much. It's it's bound to happen. If My you mom
1: know. used to be still very on top of me. Like <laughs> in, in Israel, she was always scared when I would take the bus. She needed to know that I was alive when I would get off the bus, or <laughs> you know, it was what also I... during a time that there was a lot of. There was, it was it was a more hectic time. Hectic though. Though. So it was hectic and. uh Yes, and then she would tell me to take taxis and then there were stories with taxis and then like, oh my gosh, sorry, just stay in place and don't move, I don't know <laughs> what to
0: tell you. Just don't she go would, anywhere. It would
1: be really, it was really stressful for me for, at the time, I remember like just to tell my mom where I was because she was scared for me to be anywhere. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. and and no matter yes. where you were, it was in a terrifying situation. See yeah. this, the, that's Jewish mothers at their finest. They can't help it. They just can't help it. Um, okay. So fast forwarding a little bit, you, you, you move to New York, you got your BA, you work in accounting, you go back to Italy and you decide this is something that needs to happen in America. These affordable, yes. beautiful shoes. Um, and w- by the way, where does the name A. Soliani come from?
1: So Soliani is my great-grandmother's uh, maiden name.
0: Love that. And yeah. A just because it sounds cool.
1: A, um, her name was Alba, but uh, I, I, I wasn't, I didn't want to do some politics in a family or anything. So I just stick to the A. So no one has to know that her, that
0: got know? it, <laughs> got it. So it's, so that's such a sweet thing to use your, your grandma's name. And then what was the process of getting the company started? Like, like what, what, okay. So you decide I want to have affordable, you know, beautiful Italian shoes in America. Then what happens?
1: Um, so I had to find a manufacturer first and, uh, the styles that I wanted to do also. It all started very quickly. I would say Instagram is the best tool, was the best tool. This was only two and a half years ago. I literally just started, I posted like summer sale, uh, shoes because, and like, I barely made money then it barely marked it up at all. I just wanted to see how people would react to this. So like I put like loafers for really low prices made in Italy. And the response was insane. Just from like Instagram, I did the first giveaway with um, Bonnit. Do you know who she is? Mm,
0: sure. Yeah. Um,
1: I'll never forget how she helped me because she had a lot of followers and she did a giveaway with me and I got like maybe a thousand followers. Then back then it was like a lot of, a lot of followers and the shoes then sold out after the first blogger posted them. Um, so yeah, I only started with like three loafers in three different colors, meaning with like the chain, you know, the classic loafers. And they sold out, so I'm like, okay, so let's move on to the to do winter. And obviously, because in the beginning I was always late in the season because I just didn't know what I was going to do. How much money do I want to invest? I started all this with my own savings. Um, I, don't, I didn't want any help from anyone. Um, so I started from very, very small, very small productions, and like a little at a time. And then um, I started with smaller productions at a time. So like this, I know like, okay, I sell. Now I have more money to make another production. And then, you know, so sometimes I would sell out and not have anything for like a month. And then, <laughs> but you learn from your mistakes. And uh, that's pretty much what happened.
0: what would you do during those times when you like when you didn't when you had no inventory for a month did you just like disappear for a month did you post other things like what did what did you do to keep people interested
1: so i would show what's coming what's coming next or yeah and sometimes it was hard because let's say in the beginning when i wasn't working with this manufacturer that i have now the other manufacturers are much harder to like send pictures of or right now in my Instagram is full of pictures on the manufacturing because my manufacturer believes in me. So he always sends me pictures. Even if now I even hired someone to go and follow the production once in a while to go there and check, but my manufacturer himself, he actually sends me the pictures and the videos and everything. Cause he knows how important it is for me. So in the beginning, it was actually much harder, um, as with the other manufacturers, but, uh, now I mean yeah so I would just like show what I, what else is coming and
0: pretty much and take and, and take it from there yeah and then yeah. and then things grow and, and they grow and they grow and as things are growing it can sometimes feel like you have a tiger by the tail like it's so hard to keep up with things and to and to keep the pace moving and I think that I mean just from a completely outside perspective in the last maybe like six months or so to a year, you have really grown exponentially. You've moved into this new space and you're launching all of these new styles and so many new colors. What has the process of, like, what has it been like for you to see this really take off and really catch on in a real way?
1: So the first thing that actually was the hardest thing for me to do was to hire my first employee. And that I'm sure that it's like this step that everyone goes through. And it's like, I really need someone to help me. Am I ready to give all my money to, to (laughs) an employee? (laughs) So that was definitely probably the hardest, the hardest step for me, but I came to, and I was scared sometimes. I was like, Oh, what if I don't have any orders that day? Or what if I don't have any orders for a week? What is she going to do? What is she, but I'm still have to pay her. It's like a lot that goes into your mind. And then, and then slowly you figure it out. So my first employee, actually, she was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, she was easy, and if she, she knew that, like, if there wasn't work, she wouldn't come in sometimes, and she would, she was very chilled, so it was fine, um, but actually, she, a year later, she, the, it got very, very hectic, she was like, I need someone else, like, I can't do this on my own, because she was answering emails and packing orders, and she was like, this is going crazy, so, um And yet she had to leave, but uh, now I have two employees. One that is customer service, and sometimes she does store hours, and then one that just packs orders and organizes in the store. So yeah. Also the second employee was a big step
0: for me. I'm sure. I mean, the, that level of like, you know, you're, when you're committing to payroll every single week, like, okay, this is money that like, even if we sell no, even if we sell nothing this week, this bill still has to get paid and it's only going to get bigger. And yeah, it's stressful. It's a very, I still
1: don't take a paycheck for myself. So that's uh, one thing that's so
0: yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. that's it. I mean, there are all these things that when, you know, we're in kind of parallel businesses, me being in fashion and you being in shoes, which is also really fashion, but it's, it's there are all no matter what business you're in like no matter what you do there are all these steps that you always go through that are just like okay but I think oh my god someone who isn't related to me likes my stuff okay someone who isn't my mom is wearing my clothes okay great okay fantastic (laughs) wait you want to pay me for it okay you could okay let's do and then it's like and then you just take it through all these steps we all go through these the same yeah. Yeah. this that arc. Like
1: when you go to a mall and you see someone wearing my shoes, and I'm like, it makes me so
0: proud. Yeah, the first time that my, that I was at a wedding and I saw someone wearing one of my designs, I I freaked out. I was like, oh my god, this is the freaking coolest thing. I went over, I introduced myself. I was like, hi, how are you? Thank you so much for buying this. Like it was it was a whole thing. The first the the better moment than that was the first time that my my mom and my grandmother happened to have been at a family wedding together, and yeah. they saw someone wearing one of my pieces, and that was way cooler because they, is- I still have those text messages that are like my the mom restaurant. my mom was if you were at a wedding and my mom was chasing you with her phone and because like she was too embarrassed to go up to you but she was still completely videoing everything I apologize on her behalf but yeah <laughs> it was it was fantastic the two of them freaking out over someone wearing my designs is always it's very cool yeah it's a very cool cool thing pretty much what
1: happens to me also (laughs) now I I still don't get used to it I still I see people in a restaurant wearing my shoes I see people in the mall and I'm like oh my god this is so exciting I sometimes I approach them sometimes they look at me knowing who I am not knowing if they should approach me or not but yeah
0: yeah. All of that. I think that what people don't realize is that when you are buying from a small business, like either of us, then you are like, literally there is a happy dance that happens every single time yeah. an order comes in. It's, yeah. it's, you know, we, we get the notifications on our phone every single time there's an order. And like, every time I get an order, my husband is like, who was it? what they buy? Where do they live? What do they, what do they want? <laughs> like, it's, it's this very exciting thing, even yeah. though it's happening, you know, it, it you know this is not a once a month occurrence you know it's a it's a consistent thing and it's still it's such an exciting thing like that's why shopping small is such yeah, it's so important it, is. it, is
1: really, it really is
0: what is <laughs> exactly what are you what are you hoping to accomplish with with your designs and with the company like what do you want a soliari to be
1: so um, I was thinking about it when I saw that you asked for it and I'm like you know what I actually never sat and this and thought. Through. like I'm going day by day to see where it's going um I my motto is I sell direct to consumers so I can give the best prices to my customers when people see my prices sometimes they think they're high and then when they see what goes behind it how much work goes behind each shoe each shoe is like made with like each shoe takes I don't know hours to make and just they cut it and everything I just try to show everything on on my store it's just to make people understand this is not done in like a big factory where just like, you know, every shoe is nothing. So that's also why I can't make huge batches. Like it's not even something that I can do. And actually they make small batches at a time. It's just the manufacturing is different. Um, So I don't want, I, I don't think I want to sell to department stores or that just because I if I start wholesaling it means that I need to hire my prices and I don't think that's my model right now I want to continue selling direct to consumer I hope one day everyone will know about my name but still stay in my own not selling wholesaling so like this everyone can have the best prices for what they're getting
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be fantastic. I started the opposite. I started in wholesale and then I transitioned to only retail and I love the retail so much more. It's yeah. it's, it's. It has its
1: pros and its cons and its cons, you know. It's, right, uh, both
0: do, both do, yeah.
1: Definitely. I don't know what it is to sell to stores. I don't know how annoying <laughs> they can be, uh, but I know that retail right now, I'm happy that there's someone else answering emails or that right. because- You know, not everyone is always happy. And when sometimes people are very aggressive customers, I'm saying. So yeah, you need to build a wall if you're the one answering, but I am very happy. Let's just say that I am not the one answering because sometimes it just, it gets very,
0: very personal. And what do you, what do you do in the times, you know, cause you, you know, you're, you are the one who is answering DMS and, and it is, it is your baby when it does get personal, you know, when someone is incredibly rude and we all have our horror stories or, or whatever it is, um, what do you do to take care of yourself when things get really tough like that?
1: So I used to, before COVID, I used to go to the gym three times a week. That was my mental health. Um, I used to do classes. I don't, I I like to see people and do classes. Right now it has been, wow, almost a year that um, I didn't do classes in gym because they're closed. So I still try to do it for myself in the house. I do Pilates, it's much harder though. I used to like really to see people in the classes. That was my mental health and what I did for myself, really. It's uh, funny because like growing up, I hated anything that has to do with exercise. And as I started, like, just to do those classes, I just feel like, I don't know, nothing matters anymore. And just, like, so much, I feel so much better after, like, mentally. So, that's, it's weird. And it's, uh it like, when I tell my mom, she's, like, so surprised. Like, Sarah, you, Jim? Like, no, no way. <laughs> I, I used to be the one, the most anti-gym, anti-diet, anti-everything. So, yeah, that was uh, definitely, yeah
0: what have what has the past year with COVID and everything been like for you
1: um in the beginning it was very hard and scary I would say and I I am still like sometimes I look through the pictures of March and April because I'm looking for a certain picture and I'm like I get like anxiety (laughs) hitting me very much like we didn't know what was gonna happen we still don't know is the world gonna go back to normal we don't know I don't know um, definitely America has taken it differently than other countries. So like, I feel less in a lockdown than other countries. Cause I went to Italy now to see the production. COVID is very much felt everywhere you go. Like you just, it, people are scared. They're in the streets. People are just, it's true. They had like, they had a lot of people that died there but very much a scare there. So that's one thing that um, here you might feel a little less because there is no lockdowns. You're, they're not locking you in the house so you can still go to work and continue doing your life. And thank God my kids are in school because I don't want to remember when my kids were not in school from March to June. That's not something that I ever want to even try to remember. That was probably the hardest part just trying to keep them busy and the zoom work and and that's much i really that was really hard i'm sure
0: yeah that uh, i don't think that we're ever gonna forget like march to like may june of last year i think that that's gonna affect a lot of us for a very long time
1: yes definitely definitely
0: you know with the with this last year and and oh my god it's been a year and everything that has gone on with um you know, with, with COVID and with changing your business, and with and with having things run around, um, you know, do you have any advice to someone who wants to maybe start a small business or is in small business starting around now? Because we've you've had some incredible experiences over the past year And by incredible i don't mean positive it's just it's just been a crazy year i think that if anyone who is still in business at the end of this year people have been lately been asking me like how are you doing and my answer is i'm still in business and that's better for than some people that i know so i'm happy like i'm good i'm in a good spot um and i think i do think that retail stores were hit much more
1: than online
0: store of course
1: um, that's one thing that I was never based as a retail store and I'm still not. I'm still like very much relying on my online. It is annoying because there's definitely more returns with online shopping, of course. Um, but it has its pros for COVID. Definitely base yourself online. Don't base yourself in a store because online you're broadening up to the whole world. And um, definitely it helped my business tremendously to be online. That I was already online. I saw so many retail stores that had to change their entire business to online during COVID, and it was really hard. Um, so being online was definitely um, helped a lot. And I must say, also being that I sell to a lot of Jews ma- mainly, um, they and they shop usually before you know before Pesach, before I don't know how you want me to say no, it. just
0: before holidays, yeah. There's even like, even with with the last year, there was still, it was definitely not anything like what we've seen in the past, but like, I still had a bump before like Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur before those like high holidays, because even if you're not going anywhere, you still want to be dressed. You still want to feel nice. You still want to, you know, do it. And honestly, for the two of us, the fact that we live in close communities with a little bit of peer pressure, doesn't hurt either. Right. So all, all of that works to our advantage.
1: Everyone wants uh, their new shoes and their new dress before the holidays. It's just like, the thing. we grew up like this and everyone wants that. And that's why it helps really to all (laughs) us retailers that uh, we can, uh, we can give them this. So yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. What is something about what you do that, that might surprise someone? Like, what is something that, that you, that you do either on your day to day or in creating a design that people, that when you tell people, they're like, hmm, I never thought of that.
1: I mean, I do, I do everything. I, I do everything, meaning I do the design part of the shoes. I do the, I, I follow the manufacturing. I am in contact with the manufacturer, like basically from when I wake up to where I go. And then I go to sleep. I go to sleep like 2, 3 a.m. because then it's like 8, 9 a.m. there and they just open, So I need to know. And like this, I know that I'm in advance one day, you know, and then. Right. though. Um, I really do everything. Um, I do also email marketing because I don't know. I just I am a very last minute person, and then I say, "Oh, I need an email in like two hours." The only <laughs> person that can do it in two hours, me.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I'm no. I'm kind of the same way. Also, I it, email marketing is one of those things that surprised me how much I enjoyed it. I really like email. No, marketing. I don't enjoy it at all.
1: No. <laughs> I wish I could just give it to someone. I wish. I really <laughs> there are companies
0: that take care of it they're like graphic designers that'll do it here's here's my best trick make yourself templates so i have templates that are like every time i launch a product it's literally like put a picture here write one line about the dress here put the button here buy it here like it's very it's very um uh segmented right like it's like it's very just like plug and play it's very you just drop in the new picture and drop in whatever the new campaign is and then and then go from there. And I find that that makes things a lot, a lot simpler.
1: For sure. I mean, that is, I, I keep on trying to say every time, okay, I need a template. And then like, just, I'm, I'm a very last minute person and I don't suggest anyone to be like me because it's actually really stressful. <laughs> um this is the first time that it's february today it's february 11 and i just dropped my first spring launch there's no such thing yeah usually mm-hmm. comes end of march and i said this year i want to be on time because a, a lot of times i just lose customers because a lot of that a lot of people are not like me last minute they like to buy things one day before the holidays a lot of people are like they want to become they have already you know they're already right. set already clean their house for pesa everything you know just And I'm not like that. And I don't understand that until now that like last year, I remember people telling me, why are you so late? I'm just, I can't buy from you because it stresses me out not to have on time. So I'm just going to buy somewhere else. And now I said, okay, I am going to do the first launch February 11, February 10. Um, It went great. Thank God. I was not expecting all these people to actually shop so early in the season, I must say spring is not even for a month another
0: month i don't know i know and, no, it's so hard when like i when you're in the when you're in the mood to like you're launching spring and you're like there's snow on the ground there's actual literal snow on the ground by the way that first spring drop beautiful pieces i love the mojito um thank you everyone problem. is like why didn't you make more because i'm like oh, what's sold out and i'm like <laughs> i did you know every time i do different
1: colors and i feel it and i don't know which color is gonna go best It's very hard
0: for me. It's impossible to know. It is impossible to know. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a dress or a skirt or a piece that I was like, meh. Okay, it's good, it's solid, I like it, but like not crazy about it. And then it's the only one that I hear about for the next six months. Oh, I love that piece, I love that piece, I love that piece. And and exactly the opposite. So many times there have been pieces where I love them and I'm like, this is gonna be the best seller, this is gonna be the one that goes and it's it's okay, but you know, sometimes it's total crickets, but it's it just totally feel you in it. It's impossible to predict. There's absolutely no way to know.
1: It's funny because like my best, best, best seller that I sell thousands of is the scala. Um, which obviously after people saw how great it was, I have a lot of people trying to, you know, copy right. me. But That's like happens. I came out with it like two years ago, um, with that concept of design, like the almond shaped and, um, cut it like that. So, um, when I came out with it, I, I wasn't sure. Like I showed it on stories and people, it was like 50, 50 people saying yes, no, it was like not a thing at all that you and I was like, I'll try it. I literally just brought two collars. Two collars, I don't like very little shoes. And I did the Brooklyn market back, th- back then. It was my first Brooklyn market that I did. Um, for everyone that doesn't know what the Brooklyn market is, like a lot of vendors getting together. And uh, there were a lot of shoppers. And I remember that shoe specifically, people were bummed because it would like be, they sold out within a few minutes that I was there. Right. And that's when it became my best bestseller. I started making in collars until now. I probably made already 50, 60 collars until like in, within the past two years. Um, so, and I always bring it back. So like yesterday, what I did was just a drop of those and five new collars and I'm going to bring more collars, you know, to keep people entertained. I have people that have like 30 collars of the same shoe. So, wow,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. You mentioned that people copy you. How do you deal with that? Like, what do you do when that happens? Because it's bound to happen in in our industry. very bound to
1: happen. And I see it especially especially in uh, when we are in a Jewish market. Everyone, like, I see it also in, like, clothing designers that, you know, unfortunately, they're being copied also all the time. And, like, then they reach out to me, like, how do you deal with it? How do you? <laughs> I was just talking to someone else. And she was like, how do you deal with it? Because literally, I have someone, like, going around with my skirt saying that it's theirs and trying to wholesale it and I was like ah. there's first of all I feel like the first person that comes to the market with it is the best one your stuff is more like of a design and it's more fancy so it's it's very different than what they you do. would
0: you would think that you would think that people wouldn't copy mine what I actually had was that when I very when I it hasn't happened so much recently I think because Honestly,
1: specific though. Like, honestly,
0: yeah, it's very specific. And also the, the strength of my designs is that I have a really technical background. So I'm a pattern maker and I do all my own patterns. So because of because of that i'm sure that people have tried to copy me but i honestly think that they wouldn't like without my patterns if you don't know how to make the patterns i don't think that you could like i just don't think it's physically possible for someone without my level of patterning expertise to be able to copy it and most other modest brands don't function from that level of patterning expertise like they just they just can't do it um but yeah, I actually had, um, when I very first started, there was, and I was doing much, much, much dressier stuff. I was doing mostly gowns. And when I was posting them, there was there was a gown store that like three weeks after I posted something, they had the exact same thing consistently. Oh. Happened happened three or four times. It was shameless. It was so shameless. And they and like they followed me and they would tell me how much they love my stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know you love it so much. I there didn't do
1: anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: I didn't do anything about it because I just no. felt like, I didn't do anything about it because I just felt like- you- I do feel like there's enough to go around, even though it is so frustrating. It's
1: true. That's why I don't do anything about it. Definitely, I don't do anything about it. But when people come to me and show me the messages, let's say like someone, for example, a follower that she buys from me all the time, she sent a message to another store that started copying me and saying, um, hey, is this a Soliani?" And they're like, no, ours are so much better. When they say that, that's, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. You, you, know, you copy me and then you go tell people that yours is so much better. Right. first of all I make my shoes in Italy so no no one is better than me <laughs> <laughs> second of all no one has the access to the leather I have I have insane leather prints I you know it's so for me I know that no one is will have access to do exactly what I do um, so you know even my manufacturer I have exclusivity with them I made him sign and I'm like you're not going to anyone else this we're growing, we're growing together, but you are not allowed to go to anyone selling in America or like sell my designs to anyone. Right. So that's one thing that uh, helps me a lot, knowing that security that he cannot go anywhere else. You know, I'm sure like a lot of people, like when they make in uh, China, they have all these people selling them to AliExpress. That's really hard. I see it all the time with yeah. other companies. It's like, it's really hard when they it's- go and see their design on AliExpress. That's, that's so hard. Yeah, it's really, really difficult. If they see something similar, nothing like it's not not the same manufacturer, it's nothing. But uh, those people, when they just sell the leftovers to Aliexpress, it's horrible. I I feel for them so bad. And, you know, just. So yeah.
0: And, and there's almost nothing that you can do about it. Um, there's yeah. almost like in, in those situations and, and listen, there are people, there will be people who no matter what you do will always buy the AliExpress copy. And there are people who no matter what you do will never buy the AliExpress copy. Yeah. And, and you just need to find your people. And I think that, I mean, listen, we, I can have a whole conversation on, you know, fakes and and copies and, and all of that. I think that I personally don't, I they, I, as a designer, even like if you're going to copy a high-end designer brand, you know, with the the counterfeit goods and all of that, I have a real problem with that. And I know that there are lots of people who like to like to use those. And to me, it's, you know, first of all, you don't, so don't get the thing with the logo on it. Like just get a, get yourself a good, nice bag get it yeah I like totally just get yourself get a nice bag and, in your price yeah. range it doesn't have to have you know the g the c the d the whatever on it it doesn't i, even know. Need to-
1: I totally feel you until it, now i mean i the, the bags i buy i buy bags in, in, in italy no no brand names no nothing right beautiful leather bag right exactly on
0: it exactly and and honestly you can probably like go to tj maxx get yourself a great pocketbook that is you know at a great price that is much better quality than anything that you can buy off the street that also has the logo on it and you're and you're really, it's not only that you're stealing because you are, and you want to say that like, oh, okay. They're big, they're big brands. They don't care. This is part of the cost of their doing business. They do care. And it's a, and it takes a huge toll on their bottom line. And just because someone is a big brand doesn't mean that it's okay to steal from them. And even, and, and especially, you know, if you want to say, fine, oh, it's a big brand. Fine. Like, I don't agree with that, but I'll set that aside for a second. When you are stealing the designs of a small business, you are literally taking food off of someone's table. Like that's, that's exactly what you're doing. And it's so frustrating when you see it happen, especially like among different businesses where they start copying each other and stealing each other's designs and that it's just really, 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 really frustrating.
1: No. Yes. I, I agree. Especially because we're in a small community and like, yes, you are taking customers from someone else. Right. And, um, I totally agree with that. And yeah, um, and for designer wise, like let's say even when I design, I always try to make sure that my shoe will never look exactly the same as someone else's. Like never. It just, it, it doesn't feel good. It, uh, I always like, I, I will take four pairs of shoes four different designers and say, I want this and this and this and this, and like put it all together in one different in one shoe and make it different. Cause I like to do that. It just, you know, it's nice. that's called design. Shape. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's I definitely take inspiration. It's not like I think of everything on the top of my head. I take right. inspiration from magazines and everything, but uh, I I do make sure that uh, my shoe won't look the same as someone else's.
0: Right. Of course. The thing that I don't understand is that, like, especially businesses who's like there are some businesses you just know their entire model is built on copying. It's built on you know counterfeiting, and no matter what you're making, the business that we're in, this fashion space is such a tough space to be in. And I don't know about you, but I'm only in this business because at my heart, I am a little girl who wants to sew all day. And I put up with like all the other stuff because I just want to be designing. I just want to be making stuff. And when like, I can't imagine not, I can't imagine putting up with all of the crap that this industry throws at you. And obviously, not having it come from a creative place because you're not creating, you're just copying, and and I I just it just doesn't make sense in my head why someone would want to spend all of the time and energy on on put on on copying and putting it out there like it it's just so soulless and it
1: that's that's really like actually if you ask me what would you suggest someone starting a small business definitely do not copy and find your original. Idea and de- de- like develop that. Don't base yourself off other businesses and say oh, I'll do the same thing and I'll be as successful because you won't. Unfortunately, I mean, at the first I mean, actually, fortunately, the first person that comes with the idea is the one that is the most successful at the end of the day. Right. So, um, but and then people know that you're trying to copy the other brand, especially right. in our community because we all know each other at the end of the day. So people know, you know, okay, so you. I say originality is the first thing that I would suggest to someone. Like, just think of your own thing that you want to do. Just don't be the person that everyone says, oh, she's copying that.
0: Right. And oh. even like, like let's say your your Scala design, it's such a unique shape. It's such a specific shape. It is a beautiful shoe. And anytime, you know, if anytime someone sees one that's not from you, they're not thinking, oh, that's a beautiful shoe. They're thinking, oh, that's Sarah's shoe. Like they're they're seeing yeah. it and they're immediately recognizing it for what it is because it is so, you know, it's so distinct in that way. And when you're making something that is so distinct, you kind of, you know, you you like you make a, a wall around yourself from from right. counterfeiters. Because even if someone's seeing the counterfeit, they're seeing it as a counterfeit. You know, that by doing right. those unique things, you're really it's it's your best insurance policy. Yes, that's true. Yeah. This has been, this has been a very fun conversation. It's always good when I get to like schmooze with with other small business owners. If somebody wants to learn more about you or see more of your design, Sarah, where can they go?
1: They can go to my website. Um, But I mean, first of all, go to my stories. You can see my highlights. You can see how we make the shoes. It's really fun to see. A lot of people actually send me messages like, I thought you were just some random shoe store, but then I started following you and I'm really enjoying watching the process. It's really fun to to see a shoe from a piece of leather become an actual shoe. How does it become, you know, like no one knows. You, you don't know until you actually see the process that goes behind it and it's just really fun. Um, I learned that for myself also, cause I had no idea how a shoe was made until now. Um, and um, what, what do you ask me? <laughs>
0: Yeah. what what is your, what is your Instagram name for people to, to check out?
1: My Instagram name is a dot Soliani. Um, so if you're on Instagram, that's the best way to, I mean, that's the best way to see everything. I try to post stories every day. Um,
0: and the website?
1: And the website is asoliani.com.
0: That's fantastic. I'm gonna link all of that in the show notes so that um, anyone who wants to see more of you or your beautiful stuff can take a take a look. Definitely go through the behind the scenes stuff. It is fascinating and very calming to watch. I enjoy that very much. Yeah. All that, you know, seeing something made is one of my most favorite things. Uh, the last thing that I wanna ask you, Sarah, is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Sarah Shagalov, what does it mean to make an impact?
1: So I was thinking about that question. And what does it mean to, I feel if someone is happy wearing my shoes, that's making an impact for me. Like she feels beautiful by wearing a comfortable shoe. Cause I'm not actually big in heels. Um, I am a big believer of comfortable flats that look beautiful, as beautiful as heels. That's basically my big believing more than, you know being comfortable in your heels. Yes, yeah, so of course, when you have a wedding you want to wear heels, but uh, I do believe that you can look beautiful wearing flats that elongated foot and the perfect, you know, I do so many moldings to try to make sure that it looks good on everyone. Obviously, it's very hard to always, you know, please everyone. It's a hard thing to do. But for me, when someone feels beautiful in my shoes, I feel like I made an impact. So um, if, if you mean business-wise, and then I don't know if you mean like on a more That works.
0: No, that is, that is, that is so perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah, her links are in the show notes. There you'll also find links to the most perfect pleated skirt, the most comfortable mask, and the coziest scarf. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. If you'd like to apply to advertise on the Be Impactful podcast, please send me an email at rifty at impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. I read through them all. They genuinely make me smile. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fatman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Riff Getswitz. Kathy on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making impact together.